I was comfortable with being uncomfortable, if that made sense. So, and it was just, I, I feel like every white person here in Australia, every white Australian should go and experience that because it gives you a perspective on things. G'day and welcome to episode 59 of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Lalive, and I hope at the moment everyone is keeping safe and looking after themselves and those around them. I hope that this podcast may be a bit of a distraction in your week. I'd like to thank this episode's sponsors, LAWD, the specialists in agribusiness valuations and transactions. To find out more, you can head to their website, www.lawd.com.au. Our next guest is Heidi Morris. I'm very excited to share this one with you. Heidi is a true advocate for the agriculture industry. At first, her name might not spring to mind, but if we say Lens of Rosie, then maybe that will ring a few bells for you. Hoddy has worked in the grains, cotton and beef industries in Australia, as well as a stint in Canada. Her photos and the drive behind them to share more of the agriculture sector have captivated audiences. As Heidi talks about, sometimes it's not all daisies and sunshines, but her passion for sharing stories hasn't faltered. Now, I'm not sure if she's comfortable with being called a bit of a nomad, but she's certainly seen more of Australia than many. Welcome to the Humans of Agriculture podcast, Heidi. Thanks, Ollie. Appreciate it. Are you comfortable being called a nomad or it's nearly the truth, isn't it? Well, yeah, nomad's just one of few names, I guess, I get coming back to Maureen. I've been given a few little nicknames, but yeah, no, it's good. I mean, I'm happy. It's what I do and that's what I'm happy to cop, I guess. Tell me, um, firstly, just, yeah, you know, it's, it's nearly a, it might be a question you get far too often than you like, but Lens of Rosie, is it a nickname or how did it come about? Yeah, it is a nickname. So since I was about oh, 10, I've just been infatuated with cameras, always taking photos on mom and dad's, you know, those little digital cameras you used to have, like you'd take three megapixels. Photo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> used to take on excursions and things like that. Anyway, um, I've just loved it since I was, and I don't even know, since I was about 10 years old, I was entering little photo contests. And it got to a point where I was working out on Davenport Downs Station in um, the Channel Country. And a friend of mine, Laura, was actually starting photography in Sydney. And it was our first gap year, 2014. And she was actually taking some photos um, and uploading it to her page. And I was like, oh, great. Maybe I should start a page and start uploading. Anyway, I just called it Heidi Morris Freelance. And my sister's like, no, boring, like, you know, get another name. And I was like, well, what am I going to call it? Anyway, she came up with Lens of Rosie. Now, Rosie is my nickname of my dad. So dad's called me Rosie since I was a kid. And um, I think it was really nice to kind of, it was sentimental and not met, not everyone knew, but I've got aunties and yeah, family friends that call me Rosie and yeah, not everyone. Um, even some of my close friends that I've met don't know that it's Rosie. So it was, it was a sentimental thing. And I thought, why not stick with it? Because it means, you know, dad was one of my biggest is, sorry, one of my biggest um, supporters. Sorry, dad. What is my photography? Like if we went water skiing on the weekend, he'd be like, bring your camera along. And I'd be like, oh yeah you know, maybe, but um, he was really pushing always. So it was really nice to kind of have him a part of the name, I guess. That's cool. Did, did it take quite some time? Like one, I suppose once you were well known for, for people to actually realize that your name's Heidi and not Rosie. 
<laughs> yeah, look, still, still now I'll get a message going, hey, Rosie, and I'm like, oh, cute, you know. Like, <laughs> um, but I can't blame them because, um, yeah, I, I guess it was nice to have Lens of Rosie because, you know, I'd have people um, at a rodeo out west and, oh, hey, Heidi, you know, and then someone will go, oh, this is Lens of Rosie. <laughs> it sounds so cocky saying that, but I'm I'm serious. Like people go, oh, this is um, Heidi, the photographer, Lens of Rosie, and they go, oh, Rosie oh I thought you know it was Rosie blah blah blah. so it was really nice to kind of have that um people kind of knew me for my photography not so much my name if that made sense yeah yeah so I was kind of a faceless photographer and um it was really nice though because people I don't know just appreciated the photo they weren't too caught up in who was taking the photo if that makes sense yeah it's an interesting one and I've been chatting with a couple of people who are doing some work with photographers uh, and I don't know, like, because we were chatting about kind of brands and building something and how people really want to know the person behind it. Have you have you found it hard distinguishing yourself between letting your work speak for itself and actually bringing yourself yes. and your personality into it? Yes, absolutely. So recently kind of taken a turn to that over the last, I guess, 12, 18 months. I, um, I was kind of over... You know, because I do some really cool, like I've, I've traveled and I've got people getting, like I've got a private Instagram page for my private, you know, personal life, but I'd always have people get onto me going, oh, you know, I've, I look up to your travels, you do such great things, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh, why, you know, I've got this following on my photography page. Maybe people would appreciate it more if they kind of knew what I was about and what I was doing. So I thought, the more, like, the more I kind of involved my personal life and really started to showcase what I was doing outside of photography, I guess the engagement grew a bit, you know, everyone was going, oh, cool, you know, like, and I think, you know, if people want to now um, hire me for their weddings and family photos and things like that, it kind of gives them more of a uh, personal approach, you know, like they, oh, this is Heidi, you know, she's done this, done this, done this, rather than who are we getting for our wedding? Lens of Rosie, who's that? You know, what is she doing? Where is she? Like I kind of, it, it helps people because I know personally if I was going to hire a photographer, I'd want to know, you know, who they were, you know, even just to put a face to a name, do you know what I mean? So yeah. I, it's definitely kind of I've had to turn it around just so people kind of it helps them realise who is going to be turning up and um, potentially spending the day with them on their wedding day or with their family that afternoon, you know? So, yeah, I've definitely had to take that personal approach lately just to, yeah. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Have, were, you, were you uncomfortable putting yourself into it? And I suppose because you had built a brand around Lens of Rosie and you had, yeah, potentially tens of thousands of followers um, bringing yourself into it, were, were you hesitant? Yeah, very hesitant. I kept saying to my sister and friends, I'm like, oh, like I should really get on and kind of um, put myself out there a bit. And they go, yeah, go on, do that. And I thought, oh, I'm just so like for someone who is pretty well, like known to kind of be a bit outgoing and things in person on social media, I was so worried to be that person just in case I came off a bit, you know, cocky or 
I don't know. I was very, um, what's the word? Shy, I guess. And I was like, oh, but everyone loves it. You know, they love it. And I've really, you've kind of got to back yourself and say, no, they love you and your photography. It's not just your photography. They want to get to know you. So it was, it was really hard. And I still struggle a bit because I'm like, you know, it's just my photography. Do they even care what I'm up to? They, you know, but I think for me personally, like the photographers and things I follow, I follow a lot of you know, what they do, not just their photography. I, I find them an inspiration and, you know, I really need to kind of tell myself that. And, um, yeah, it's just more about being shy, I think, as weird as it sounds because I'm not a shy person at all in person. But with my page, yeah, I was really hesitant. But, yeah, it's fine. I've really just got to back myself, I guess. Embrace it. I want, yeah. I want to jump back. So home for you is up near Moree. Can you tell me a little bit more about yeah what it was like growing up in Moree? Um, you mentioned to me kind of before that you, you grew up on a smaller hobby farm not far out of town but had family uh, in, in farming. So what was it like for you as a kid? Oh, it was great. So I was um, born and bred in Moree, just on the outskirts of Moree, not far from town on a little hobby farm. Dad breeds some horses and we have some cattle and sheep. But, um, yeah, my uncle had a cotton farm out at Boomai where we'd go water skiing every weekend and on the school holidays we were shipped out there to jump on the tractor and work all day. Um, But, no, it was really, really nice. I loved it here. I went to boarding school in 11 and 12 to um, St Hilda's on the Gold Coast. Um, Absolutely loved it. Uh, But, yeah, no, it was really nice. I haven't been – I come back for about a month or two here and there during the year back to Amore, which is really nice to see everyone. But mostly I'm just off and about and coming back and off and about and coming back. So it was really nice. I couldn't imagine growing up anywhere else. It was just the best childhood and area. You know, I guess some people have some things to say about Amore, but it was incredible. I loved it. It's just the best little community. And so – Going from Moree, you, you headed across to the Gold Coast in year 11 and 12, which I can imagine was a hugely different experience in terms of, I suppose, oh, life yeah. outside of school as well. But did was agriculture and a career in agriculture on the cards for you? Or, yeah, over those kind of year 11 and 12 years, did other ideas start to come to mind? Yeah, look, not really. Um Yes, I, oh, it was always in my head, but really I, I knew that photography was my passion and whatever I had to do in order to pursue that, I was going to. So I got into university and was like, you know, yeah, this is it. I'm going to do communications and journalism. This works really well with my photography. And then I had a gap year and came back home and worked for the cotton, like in, in the cotton gin. Anyway, I got like I had some friends that went up and worked in the territory on a station and I just came home one day and I just went, Dad, I want to go ringing. And he said, oh, no worries, mate, let me make a few calls. <laughs> so he called our um, family out at Birdsville and um, Frog and Kylie, <laughs> classic. Anyway, <laughs> they're the best people ever. Dad used to um, grow up out near Wenaring. Well, he did grow up, sorry, out, out at Wenaring with them and used to um, spend a lot of time with them. So we called them in Burstville and said, right, Hyde wants to go ringing. Um, what, you know, what have you got for her? And they got back to Dad with um, Davenport Downs in the channel. So it's about three hours from Birdsville, our nearest town. Um, and we, yeah, um, I left that next month. Dad and my uncle from Boomai flew me out to 
um, in his little plane, flew me out to the channels and dropped me off pretty much. And I stayed there for the rest of the year. And it was time to come back and do uni. And I went, no way, I'm staying, <laughs> staying here. So I came home for a few months, went to Europe actually, did a bit of Europe and then went back out to the channels to do 2015. So it was more, yep, photography was it. And then I went out and worked on the station. It was the best thing I ever did. And that's when I realised I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is a passion. Can I join them both? That's when I started my page. And it's just gone from there, really. It was yeah, it's really crazy how it worked because if I went to uni, I would never be doing what I'm doing now. So it's really, really good. And so in terms of the photography side and so Ag's nearly funding this passion project while it's growing, do you see yourself kind of not working in Ag from the day to day because the photography stuff takes off? Is that is that the, the ultimate dream? Yeah. 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 So I'll always have a soft spot for Ag. Like, I mean, I've, I've worked in Ag since school. Um I, my, my biggest passion really is photography and uh, people, I guess. People out West are my, I guess, ideal clients. Um, I just love everything about them. The character shows in, our, in my photos and things like that. So combining the two would be absolutely a dream, absolutely. Weddings I'm getting into as well because it's more, you know, I've constantly been asked about weddings and I always knock them back because, again, a bit shy and I'm, you know, a bit kind of scared to take that next step. But I just kind of last year I got um, asked by a friend in Walgett, Ara, she said, oh, would you be interested? And I just went, okay, that's it. I'm doing weddings. So when I put it up, everyone just started flocking in, you know. So I, yeah, I guess it's a dream to really pursue that photography wherever it takes me. I don't know. I was meant to go to New York this year to work with um, a wedding photographer over there. Wow. Obviously can't because of, yeah, um, obviously can't because of COVID. But, yeah, wherever it takes me, it takes me. But photography is my number one passion. And I think the most special thing about it is that I found that out um, in the Channel Country and on the cattle station I worked at. So, yeah, agriculture will always be um, a part of my photography no matter what and no matter where it takes me. So, yeah. Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank, and I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported? Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low-cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. And so you're saying you found kind of photography out there in the channel country. So what what was it about here and, and that place? So... I've always had the passion for my photography and I, I did a um, cert, three of photogra- um, cert three of media actually at boarding school and um, I really wanted to pursue that. But I didn't think that I could out west, you know. I thought, okay, maybe I'll do some journalism here and kind of work in the photography field, but whether I'm my own, I don't know. It was just, it was hard to see that in at the Gold Coast, right? So mm. when I went out 
west um, to the channel country, I was taking photos at all the rodeos. I was, ta- I was taking my camera in the backyards. It was just everywhere. <laughs> you don't want to see the camera. It's just disgusting. I had, you know, I took all these photos. I took it everywhere. It was attached at the hip. And um, when I saw my friends start an Instagram page, this is obviously very, this is 2015. So this was before a lot of, you know, Instagram pages had even really started. But my friend Laura started a page and everyone's going, oh, look at her great. And I was like, wow, she's incredible. And I thought, why not just start a page? Because I had a lot of friends get on to me and say, what's out there? You know, you say that the next town's 300 kilometres away. Like all the day girls, you know, they were very confused as to what was so fun about being out on a four million acre property. Um, and I just went, oh, guys, I'm just living my best life. I just love it so much. And that's why I thought, oh, you know what? I'll start a page and that way I can show what I'm doing. And, yeah, it was that that really grabbed everyone's attention. A friend of mine's sister got in touch to do a story in the land about how I was trying to kind of showcase the outback to my friends on the Gold Coast and um, people that were kind of not really exposed to I guess the outback in that sort of sense, you know, they might see the photos in magazines, but first-handed, you know, first-hand rodeos and things like that. Um, so yeah, no, it was, it was the channels that really pushed that for me, I find. And that's why I'll always have a soft spot for it because yeah, I mean, I'm here now. So, and I've got a page that I do now with the following I do. So I'm very, very grateful for the channels to um, yeah, to have been able to do that. Yeah, it's incredible. And particularly jumping on Instagram kind of when it was in its infancy as well. Mm, mm. No, you're right. I was pretty, um, yeah, it was It was really not meant to go much. You know, it was only just to really show a few photos of mine, but then it kind of took off. So I was really grateful for that. Really grateful. Ahead of your time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look out, tech savvy. <laughs> oh, God. I want to... Um, I want to ask around that. So like your early photos, yeah, and I suppose it's sharing with those people you went to school with kind of what is out there beyond the great divides that, yeah, sit Mm. just outside of our major cities. But in terms of you talk about getting support, and I read in that that article from 2016 that you had awesome support, but then you're also putting yourself out there and – there were some fairly negative things that started to come through. And it was never people kind of attacking you personally, but it was more about agriculture and the industry and how animals were treated or, or perceived to be treated. So yeah, what was it kind of about these comments that stood out mm-hmm. to you and yeah, when you were connecting with those people in the metro areas? Well, it was it's funny. I all my friends in the metro areas were just blown away they were, I need to come out and visit they loved it they absolutely loved it some of these you know girls hadn't gone out as like past Maureen you know only to my place for holidays so they were absolutely ecstatic by what I was doing but it was actually end of 2015 I'd actually come back to the coast I'm um, sorry back home to Maureen I'd broken my ankle and I was off work so I came home and I went to the Gold Coast for the weekend with some friends and I put up a photo I think um, ABC News was putting up a thing on their Instagram page, with I think one point something million people um, about photos. And I thought, oh, I'll send a few of mine through. And um, anyway, all of a sudden it was their cover photo. It was just a photo of a cow with its head out of a mob of cattle in the yards. So there's, you know, cows everywhere, like everywhere in the photo. So you could tell, like it looked pretty 
kind of mush in there, you know, very tight and cosy. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I remember being on the beach at the Gold Coast going, oh, my gosh, look, 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 I'm on the cover photo for the ABC News. And it was great, you know, went for a swim um, and I was on the biggest high. Then I came back and I saw all of these negative comments um, and I just went, oh, my gosh, no, 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 no. And um, I called my boss at the station straight away because you could see the ear tag. And I'm thinking, oh, no, like these trolls are going to get onto him. They're going to get onto the company. Like this is a nightmare. Um, what turned into showcasing, you know, Australia's beef industry turned into, you know, oh, my gosh, these poor animals. And I thought, oh, no way. So I call Slip and I say, Slip, I'm so sorry. And he goes, why are you sorry? And I said, well, my photo, you know, kind of got up there and they're all kind of having a go at me and he said hi don't worry we're always going to have trolls don't worry it's an unreal photo we're not doing anything wrong the cattle are healthy they're you know we're doing all the right things don't worry about it so it was really nice to get the reassurance of him but oh they were nasty you know like they and I just thought should I upload should I do this and then I had and once I shared it I think oh my sister shared it on Facebook saying you know can everyone just appreciate the photo (laughs) rather than you know finding a negative out of everything and all of my friends all my station friends country friends city friends um jumped on and kind of said you know unreal Heidi this is fantastic and kind of brought the spirits up so I'm so grateful for that but yeah I think you've just like there's always going to be trolls like always going to be trolls there's like I don't know it happens day to day without being in the beef industry so um I think after yeah four corners and all of that it's kind of you know once they start showcasing certain things it gets a bit fresh in people's heads and it gives some people ideas and yeah it's fine though. I think um, I've learned to kind of, yeah, deal with that sort of thing. So yeah, but it was hard. It was really, really hectic actually. <laughs> no personal threats, but definitely some threats to the beef industry, which didn't sit with me well at all. Yeah. Was it hard? Like, did, did you ever contemplate going, oh, like it's far easier just to be Heidi from Maury and take my photos and, and share them privately then? Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. I definitely had second thoughts about it. I just went, oh, this is so much, like I'm trying to do good here and, you know, people finding negatives, like what, you know, what kind of road do I take to not be seen as this, I don't know, kind of bad person showcasing bad things. Um, Yeah, it happens in all fields. I um, recently even was up in a, um, at a cultural festival up in Barunga in Northern Territory last year. Oh, a few weeks ago, I think. And I put up a photo of a young girl the other day that I had permission for and there was trolls on that, you know. So it's like you can't really escape it and there's always people that are trying to, like I had a friend, we went for a hike down on the south coast last year and I put a photo up of her sitting at the edge um, with the drone and someone came, how silly, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh, my goodness, like, (laughs) oh, did I stop, you know. And I think that's what comes with, I guess, having that reach and having that exposure, I guess um, you're always going to find someone that's just not happy with something. And it is disheartening. It, it makes me, like I took that photo down of that young girl from that festival and I had, you know, this caption about how gorgeous of a girl she was and how great this weekend was. But that was all disregarded, you know, and I just go, you know what, you know, fine, I'll take it down. You win, but you're not going to win. Like I'm, I'm going to do this no matter what you say because 99.999% of people are loving this. So I think you've just got to 
have some self-reassurance and um, know that you're it's coming from the best place possible and, yeah, not to give in to them, you know. And do you think, I'm going to ask you for some of your advice on this, like in terms <laughs> of agriculture, but say even like rural communities, what, what happens out there? There's less of a population out there. Is there yeah. literally just too few people who are, I suppose, I'm going to say reporting, it's not the right word, but reporting on what actually happens out there and documenting it for others to see? Like, is is that one of the, the big issues we have, that there's not enough people that are sharing what actually yeah. happens? You know, you're actually right, I think. Um, yeah, no, definitely. I think if it was more common, um, people would, you know, turn around and go, oh, you know, I've seen this before. That's right. That happens every day. This is really cool. But I guess, yeah, there is a few of us that really put ourselves out there. And because we've kind of got that exposure and reach to people, it really makes it hard for us because, everyone's just everyone would love to do it but they don't if that makes sense like and for me it's my photography like it's easy for me because I go oh great you know I'll get out there and use my photography to do it um it's more word of mouth through others for people to find out what goes on out here but I think it's us that are on the front line um showcasing it we're always the ones that get hit and it's like oh you know like it, it makes it really hard for us but I think yeah, like I said, knowing that everyone's kind of supporting and backing us, it makes it really easy. Well, uh, easier, I should say. Yeah. But definitely, yeah, it singles us out a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You put your head, head up and, and someone will, yeah, take an opportunity if it sits there. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought up the, the Aboriginal Cultural Festival because, yeah, just on a personal note, like I saw your photos of um, – yeah, the different people dancing and was just like, holy hell, how, how cool is that, what you've captured? Mm-hmm. Tell me more mm-hmm. what, what it was like to kind of sit there amongst the community. And, and in one of your photos, you actually mentioned that you were one of the only white people that were, were yeah. was there. Oh, my goodness. I just came back on such a high from that festival. It was absolutely incredible. Um, being from Maury, it's I think we've got a percentage of 30 I think it's 30% of Aboriginal people here in town. And I think I've always grown up with Indigenous people around me and I've got, you know, played touch with them. I've played league tag with them, netball, all that sort of thing. So I've really kind of known a lot of them over the years and had a soft spot for all of them that, you know, that I had good relationships with. And this opportunity came up um, this year and I thought, oh, my gosh, I would absolutely love that, especially with COVID and everything. I thought, oh, yeah, you beauty, you know. So I went up there and it was just incredible. So there was one night I found myself standing there with no white person in sight. I think there was one behind um, backstage and it was towards the end of the night, about 11 o'clock. But this was a dry community, Barunga. Um, So there was no alcohol, nothing. And there was artists singing on stage, bands from anyone from, oh, I think there was like kids, you know, as old as five to people as old as 80. I don't know. Don't quote me and please, if you're listening, <laughs> you know, if you're not 80. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it was just the most incredible experience for someone who travels a lot and is always over, overseas experiencing different cultures. I thought, God, I don't even need to go overseas. Like I've got all of this culture in my own backyard. We all need to go and experience this because it kind of gave me a, I don't know, like they were all speaking their language. Like I could not 
like for the life of me understand a single word and not once was I looked at, you know, as if to be like, you don't belong here. Like they just embraced all the white Australians, I guess, their visiting and, yeah, it was just really, really nice and I thought, wow, this is just so lovely to see and it's still there. You know, we should really embrace it more and, um, yeah, I was comfortable with being uncomfortable if that made sense. So, yeah, I absolutely loved it and it was just I, I feel like every white person here in Australia, every white Australian should go and experience that because it gives you a perspective on things and, it was just beautiful to see the culture. I mean, we go to, you know, Italy and we go see Rome and we, you know, go to, I don't know, um, Vietnam and go to the tunnels and things like that. Like we always embrace culture and history. I think it's really nice to kind of do it in our own country. And I think, yeah, it was just really beneficial for me and I think it would be beneficial for everyone out there to go and experience it. It was unreal, absolutely unreal. And and so for someone who's done so like seen so much of Australia and, and different aspects are you sitting here kind of now thinking I can't wait to get back overseas or do you think you want to explore more of what Australia has to offer kind of in the the short term yeah. well put it this way when COVID hit um, my boyfriend and I were in Japan we we're managing a ski lodge over there um, when COVID hit and we've had to rush home and my plan was then to go to South America um and for six months and I thought oh my goodness okay I'm just gonna have to put this off put this off and last year was just the worst year because for someone who was constantly on the move I just couldn't go anywhere it was just the worst thing but um I guess now if the borders were open I'd probably try and find somewhere to go you know like I said I was meant to be in America working with a wedding photographer so there's all of these options everywhere and I'm constantly you know before COVID looking at going there but I'm really for the first time in years I'm so content with staying here and exploring more of what um, we've got to offer here I mean having sat in one spot for so long there's so much work just coming to me and it's really exciting and I think it's because people like oh she's sticking around that's great you know um here can you do this can you do this can you do this because weddings um in previous years I haven't been able to really lock in because I go oh you know I meant to be overseas at that time of year I'm sorry you know if you want to lock someone in now maybe lock someone else in so it's been really nice and I don't think yeah like if the borders were to open I don't think I'd actually be in much of a rush to go anywhere anymore because I'm just so content with what has to be yet seen here in Australia so yeah Yeah, awesome I want to ask one more question just around the photography piece and it's um Yeah. What's the first photo that you remember taking that really stands out to you? Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Oh, this is a hard one. I, so, (laughs) okay. I took some when I was a kid of like (laughs) the reflection of the kitchen. Okay. It sounds really lame, but I had um, mum and dad's digital camera and I took one of, of it sitting on the kitchen bench and the kitchen bench was like, you know, nothing on it. So the reflection was coming off the kitchen. And I just remember taking a photo like that and, you know, mum and dad would go, oh, my God, put it in the show. I was like 10 or like 9 or something. <laughs> and I like, put it in the 
a show, the Maury show. And I was like, no, it's not even that good. And they're like, go on. So I did. And I think I got first or something. Bless. I got like $10 cash. I thought I was so rich. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I think like, see, little things like that, they would always be, you know, I think I took a photo of my dog's paws and mum and dad were like, oh my gosh. I don't know if they were just being supportive parents, bless them, or it was actually a good photo. But I, their little memories that I have, but also I think it was when I took a photo of um, we were um, in the yards one day out at Davenport and um, the chopper pilots at, well, Angus um, was in the chopper, in the chopper at the time. And we had Flop and Kenny, excuse the nickname. Um, <laughs> Flop, sounds like you're them. just making up names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds ridiculous. No, Flop bless him he was our head stockman he was absolute legend he was on the ground with kenny and they were yarding up the cows and there was that one rogue bullock that just turned back and like ran off anyway the chopper's going crazy the bikes you could just hear them you know so everyone's kind of stopped yard work like and kind of watched the show and i've just ran over and i've grabbed my camera i mean dust everywhere these this um actually this set of cattle yards was on a sand dune so you can just imagine working on a sand dune so the chopper's there dust everything's going over sand and i've ran over it was like bloody war zone i've ran over and i've grabbed my camera i'm like i'm sorry but i've got to get photos of this so i jump up on the top rail and i just started taking photos and i thought i don't even care if this ruins my camera i need to get this i get really you know like i need to get this and I got this photo of Gus with the chopper chasing this bullock and the bikes there. And, um, yeah, I think I won ABC Photo of the Year with that one in 2015, um, which was really cool because it was a, like I got it printed up for him and I've obviously donated it to a few auctions and things like that. But that photo I think is going to always be my all-time favourite because that was, you know, a big kind of moment for me to be able to win that and get some recognition for my photos yeah two things uh, i'm gonna say can you send uh or tag us in that photo just i, I want to see what it is and the second part is it, is photography so special because it, it has these kind of intangible stories and memories like you can as you're recounting the story like the photos are still and it's kind of yeah. up to the viewer to interpret. But for you, like there's this excitement and passion and yeah. energy that comes <laughs> as you're recounting what happens. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it is. And I always say, you know, like I think for me the most touching things have been I've had my it's it's going to sound really grueling and dark, but I've had some photos used for people's um, like funeral sort of booklets and things like that and it sounds as as dark and things as it sounds I go no like that's how special photos are you know I took these photos of these people purely just to you know capture them and capture what's best about them and here they are this is all they've got left is photos and they're using my photos like and I think that's always a special thing for me because I've like the boys out at um, the station were always like, get that bloody camera out of my face. But, you know, when we were sitting down at camp that night, you know, you'd hear, hi, can I have a look at that camera of yours? And I'd go, <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought, you know. So, and then it, like it's people are always really appreciative of photos, whether they like them or not. My, my dad hates photos, 
but I'll take them and he'll go, oh, that's actually not that bad. And I go, see, like, you know, when one day you're not going to be here or, you know, like that's all we're going to have. So let me do what I want with my camera because they're so special. We've got old photos up around home everywhere. And I think they're just, it's such a special thing because like, like I am now, I'll like, I'll look at photos of mine and go, wow, that day was so good. Oh my gosh. And you know, I just got photos of the family yesterday and I'm looking at the photos and he jumps in this puddle, this little boy jumps in this puddle with his, his clothes on ready for the photo shoot. And I'm just there like getting photos of him jumping in the puddle and everything, but it made an awesome photo shoot because he was just rat bagging the whole time. And that's him, you know, that's natural. That's not, you know, like if he's going to jump in puddles all day, let's get photos of that. You know, that's what he's doing. That's all a part of growing up. So I definitely, that's photography for me. I love capturing moments we can keep forever. And I think, if we can tie stories to it, it makes it so much more special. So, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love photos. Love taking them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. There needs to be more like you because, God, there's like, I think looking back at um the station I was on, I look back now and I think, bloody hell, no one would know Hardy worked out there, would they? I was in no photos. Yeah. No photos. <laughs> And I thought, oh, my gosh, it's like, you know, I think one of the boys took my camera off me once. I go, let me get some photos of you. And I just went, oh, no. And I'm lucky. I'm really grateful that he did because I've got a couple from that day. And I just went, oh, there you go. Heidi actually did work at Davenport Downs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he went to it twice. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. I love them. I love them so much. You mentioned earlier around the shyness, I suppose, with the, with the actual Instagram page and, and that profile. Do you get shy when it comes to approaching people and asking, can I take a photo of you? Um, yeah, I do. Do you mean in like in public if I was to go? Yeah, in public or? Yeah. Um, yeah, I look, it's funny. At Barunga Festival, I was, you know, that's where I was just taking photos for the festival. So I was very shy. The first couple of days I thought, oh, I don't want to come off invasive, you know, because I think it can come off very invasive. People don't like their photo being taken and you've got to respect that. But the least you could do is just, you know, ask for permission because hmm. um, at the end of the day they're going to say yes or no. But um, the first two days of the festival I was very like, oh, should I cat, you know, and she goes, yeah, just ask them, it's fine. And I was so shy. And then the last day came and I just went, you know what, fine. If they're going to say no, they're going to say, because I think I'm just scared of them saying, no, thanks. Like, oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, and it being awkward. But I, last day I went, you know what, stuff this. I'm going so hard today. I don't even care. I'm going to go ask every single person. And when I did, I just went up and said, do you want to take your photo? And they go, no, go for it. everyone. Not one person denied me. And it was really nice because this, I was like, oh gosh, imagine all the photos I could have been taking the last, you know, two days. But um, yeah, I do get a bit like, oh, a bit shy, but I think like once you start to back yourself and you go, right, like I'm going to take this photo of them and it's going to be an incredible shot. Please, please, please. Can I take your photo? Like, you know, just asking them it's worth it because you just know that it's going to be a nice photo. So, and they'll be able to keep it forever, you know? So yeah, yeah I do get a bit shy, but I'm getting better. I'm getting a lot better. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And well, I suppose it's it's a change of tune and a change of tact for you as well. So you've spent your time kind of running across Australia, chasing different seasons, whether it's the cotton season, 
or a season up north on the cattle station or or when harvest comes around with the grains and and now you've actually I, I suppose you've yeah you've seen the the issue that there is around finding workers and getting people to work in in ag and so you've yeah. started a bit, a bit of an initiative or business for yourself as well yeah. which is all really about helping the communities and the businesses that yeah. have helped you can you tell me a bit more about that Heidi yeah of course so um so I've lived um I think 12 months all up over on Lord Howe Island uh, worked in Japan and all those sorts of areas and People go, how do you get to travel so much? You know, how do you do this? And they go, oh, I just go, you know, do this for a few months or do this for a few months. And they go, oh, can I do it? And I say, yeah, of course you can. So every harvest I'd be on a header and I'd have friends from all over Australia, like everywhere going, Heidi, like, can I come work? And I'll go, yeah, I'll get you a job. That's fine. Oh, I've never done it before. I said, that's fine. I'm working with, you know, backpackers that have never driven a car before, you know, like, or manual at all, like, just um, send me a name and or send me a number, sorry, and I'll um, give you a call. So, you know, these are friends of friends. I've had friends, cousins. I've had all these people reach out because they go, yeah, just call Heidi. She'll help you. So I've always had these people reach out and I just thought, oh, my goodness, imagine how many more people out there are wanting work like me or you know, doing like work like me or wanting work like my friends. So I started a page when I was in Yamba last week, I think, and um, called Seasonal Work Oz. I might have to change the name because um, I think there's already a page out there called that. Anyway, so. Minor um, details. Yeah, minor details. <laughs> and um, I just thought, no, I'll just start it and just see. Anyway, it's been, I think, a week now. And I've got, I think, 900 people nearly want, um, like following uh, both employers and employees. But I just really started it purely just to kind of see if there was anyone out there that are just willing to do a few weeks work or four weeks work or six, eight, ten. Because I know for a fact, come October, it happens every year without coronavirus being, you know, a factor. But we always have a shortage of people out here. And I feel like I know enough people that are willing to kind of come out and give them a hand already, let alone other people that are in the same boat. So yeah, I started the page to hopefully come October, harvest this year, um, get a few people out there and get some bums on seats in the tractors and come irrigating season. I had a guy call me the other day going, Heidi, I need 100 people. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, I'll try. <laughs> but, um, yeah, friends in Victoria call me and say, Heidi, I need 16 people for a contracting crew. Um, WA, a boss from WA called me, Heidi, I need this minute. And I just went, oh my goodness. So there's so much work out there that it kind of frustrates me when, you know, I hear people come October, November, December, people on Job Seeker, you know, I just go, oh, there's so much work out there. Let's really kind of come on, you know, you'll make, you know, four times the amount rather than sitting, you know, inside getting job seeker, like there's so much work come out and really get to, you know, one, make some money and two, experience the the country. And I think a lot of them are happy to travel out here and things like that, but happy days, come out and work for a bit and um, go home with some money before Christmas. So, yeah, I think it's more about getting people off, you know, out of the city around October, November, December, if they're able to. I understand people have commitments and things like that. But, yeah, just come out and give the farmer a hand, you know. And I think Aussies are, like, we're known to be very trusting people out here in the bush. So, you know, 
in, if I can simplify it and, um, you know, bring it back to a simple phone call, I just get that person's name and number and availability. And then that way I can call a farmer and go, right, Joe Blow wants, you know, six weeks work in November. What have you got? And they might go, oh, brilliant. You know, can they drive a car? Yep, cool. Like no resume, no cover letter, nothing. Just simple, easy, send them my way. So it keeps it really old school for the farmer. They just want to have chat to someone, you know, and get to know what they're like. And um, they've got workers. And, yeah, they're as easy as getting in a car and driving across. Most of them have their own car. You know, I think for backpackers, like visa things come into it and it can get a bit tricky for them because they might not have three months work for them. But, you know, Aussies out there that are wanting six weeks work, happy days. So, yeah, just trying to simplify it a bit. And it's been really, really successful. I've had about 150 people um, reach out for work and about 30 of them are looking for work now. So it's really, really cool. That's huge. Good on you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's um, really good. Hopefully we have a bit of a, um, well, yeah, there's something established but properly by harvest time. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. We'll be keeping an eye on it for sure. Thank you. I was going to, so one question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, um, all whatever there's been now, 65 or something, um, people is around some advice for younger people. And so, I normally, well, I do always frame the question, you get the chance to talk to a bunch of year 10 students tomorrow and you get to talk to them about, uh, I suppose, some life advice over the next few years and and what life might be like after school. What would be your advice to them and and why should they potentially look at agriculture as an industry that could offer them um, Mm -hmm. a career? My advice I actually did a speech at my old school to year 10. Oh, this actually. is easy, isn't same, it? <laughs> same thing. Oh, God, it was like five years ago. But I, um, I, I did the same thing. They said, you know, any advice? And honestly, I think it's um, just remember how young you are. Like I think a lot of people um, jump into careers early or, you know, university really, I'm not at all against university at all. I'm just, you know, people don't know what they want to do. So they go and follow the crowd and go to university and things go, yep, righto, I'll do that. Um, For me, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I know, I knew that it was around photography, but I thought, you know, I was so close to following the crowd and, um, you know, going to uni at the Gold Coast and, smashing out a degree that I really probably didn't want to do anyway. But I went out and worked on a cattle station and I still talk about those days like they were yesterday. I absolutely loved it. So agriculture really, um, I guess, helped me shape what I wanted to do. Um, Photography was what I wanted to do. But out there I had, I was, you know, having fun, making money and making some lifelong friends and memories And I was able to kind of figure out what I wanted to do and base that around agriculture. And I think a lot of people, like people I work with on the station were from Sydney. Like this one guy came out for a gap year and he was there for five years running the camp. So, you know, there's so many people out there. Like this guy was from Sydney, like in the sticks of Sydney, like proper, you know, concrete cowboy turned channel country head stockman. Like there is so like just because you're from you know maybe the city it doesn't mean that agriculture isn't you know might not be a field you want to go into I think if you go out 
west you'll find out what you want to do and i think yeah that's why i think agriculture will always um hold a special place in my heart because yeah i mean you've got so much time to think you work hard and i think out here works a lot different it's hands-on you get in there you prove to yourself that you can really do stuff and i think once you start you know out the station we were doing 18 hour days some days and you just go holy dooly i can do that you know and then you'd go back to the you know coast or here in Moree, and you know someone mentioned a six hour day i'd be like oh sweet as you know like easy cool like it kind of gave you a work ethic and um yeah i'm forever thankful for that because that will shape me um with like in my future career to kind of work hard and kind of prove like i've already proven to myself how hard i can work so yeah i really any advice is you're so young go and enjoy the hell out of it because like i'm 25 now and i'm still young you know and i've just had eight years of living the dream (laughs) yeah living the dream and if i want to go to uni now i can go to uni be done by 30 like it's you know i think when you're that young you get in your head that you've really got to you know oh the time's ticking you know like oh my god i'm nearly 20 but um yeah i think the best thing you can do is really just do what you want and you'll find out what you want to do well that's it for another week i hope you enjoyed this chat with heidi morris i think what i was really interested about heidi was understanding more about necessarily being the faceless photographer and how she represents herself and how she comes across to her audience i thought it was really interesting some of her comments around what it's like to put yourself out there through your photos and potentially sometimes it's not always positive i think the part around the aboriginal uh, and cultural festival just the other week and and the fact that she had to take her photos down just due to one comment is actually incredibly sad and it's something that i hope as heidi shared her story that our audience and everyone is slightly more aware of of what actually goes on behind as someone who is sharing other people's stories we've got some exciting news and in august we're launching a series with antola trading antola trading Uh, a workwear brand based up in Richmond in Queensland. As part of this series, we'll be chatting to incredible people right across Australia, from the Northwest in Kimberley Fine Diamonds, right through to Bryce Cam, the chair of Beef Australia. Can't wait to share these conversations with you. So keep your ears peeled and we'll join you next week. Stay safe.